Get your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into the culture Hello there and welcome to Stick Around Podcast Podcast I want a podcast and I want one now Sponsored by Charlie Dimmock's Cattle Transporters Transporting livestock with no need for support since 2009 <laughs> <laughs> Bit of cattle decapitation there Sounds like someone's seen some nipples today <laughs> Uh, well, me and Kay were driving up in the car, as you do drive in cars, up the motorway, and uh, there was a cattle issue. Well, it said animals, what did it say? Animals on road or something? Mental. Yeah. And there was a standstill, blood everywhere, couldn't figure out what was going on. Chaos. But, um, chaos. The other side was, there's also a standstill, and then we noticed a cattle transporter driving by, so we stopped him. Had a bit of a chat, got a cheeky interview, it turned out with uh, Charlie. Andy Andy and... Uh, Charlie yeah, Andy, Andy, and Charlie Dimmock. Andy, Andy was holding the chainsaw for no apparent reason, <laughs> <laughs> and he said he definitely hadn't butchered the cow. But I questioned him on that. Is this to do with some new metal album? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't halal. <laughs> yeah, they, meant, they mentioned some new album by some band. I don't know. I don't know what they were called. You any ideas? Well. Uh, <laughs> but he said he definitely hadn't decapitated any cattle. Cloud no. fucking anonymous. <laughs> just uh, just so we're clear, this is Stick Around Live from uh, Newcastle. Live. Films Live. episode 21, if we'd released one episode Newcastle every year. Newcastle on time! Fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a Johnny accent. You're the closest to being, well, yeah, you and Michael, we should be representing you. Well, so we're all good. <laughs> it's a canny podcast. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got... We're all in one room. And none of us are wearing coats, and we've all got very short skirts on. Yeah. One mic, one room, one... Podcast. One vision. Five's <laughs> eating a study. What the fuck's a study? Is that a penis? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah. is it? No, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> 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 I drove myself in here. Home of Greg's. Home of Rafa Benitez. What's that bridge called? What's that bridge? The home of the Tyne Bridge. Home of Sydney Opera House, name. according to Al's mum. <laughs> home of a travel lodge, which we're sat in. <laughs> and home of a big statue with wings. Angels of the North. That's in Gateshead. Mm. Yeah, no, that's you not get even, it right. Not even it's home on the way here, though. On the way. <laughs> nearly the home of a statue with wings. <laughs> uh, we are, yeah, we're hooked. Top five films time. Super excited. So we've already had one beer each. Most of us are Newcastle Brown Ale. When in Rome. Yeah. yeah. Very expensive, actually. I thought it was in London. <laughs> or Rome, I imagine. Yeah, probably very expensive. It's anywhere but home. Yeah. So, how are we all? Um, I'm here with David Peeling. Hello there. Alex Wayne. Yo. Michael Johnson. What up? James Cable. Konnichiwa. And James Flux. Hola. In, I believe, the biggest ever cast on a Stick Around pod. How many was that that other lifetime movie? I think it was Sheffield, wasn't it? Sheffield, yeah. Right, okay. we were, everyone at Sheffield was, is here now, though. Right, okay. so yeah, like probably more people talking. But me and Dave weren't formally. Yeah. And I've put on some weight since then. Although I've lost some weight. It's so <laughs> <laughs> balanced know, out. I don't know if net. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's like pound for pound. 
Have we lost weight or not? Dave, you haven't pulled that much up. Right. Evenly split it among So we are officially a, a leaner podcast than last time. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all here for our top five films. So because we've got loads of us, we're probably going to go through our five and fours first, then do a top threes. Some people have already read my notes. Shit. So they, they will be um, faking their surprise, so tweet us if you figure out who those people are. <laughs> <laughs> I've, made, I've made sure they're very good actors, though. So. Uh-huh. I'll stick around, cast. Instagram cast, yeah, tweet us on that. Um, do we think it's been a good year for film? <laughs> Yay or nay? I think it's been okay, but not as good as last year. Ooh. Ooh. No, it's it's just it, probably agree. It's proven wrong my theory that all years are great for film. Um, oh, well, wow. I'm sure there'll be great releases from 2016 that I haven't seen yet, but for me, it was a, a generally weaker year than usual. I think possibly the best films are the films that haven't had the biggest releases, perhaps. There was a film this well, year, which is my number one, which I think is one of the best films I've seen in the decade. So okay, right. and okay. That, that marks the longest that. Are I've we all doing five UK 2016 releases like I am, or are some of us doing US? Oh yeah, I'm doing UK 2016. So Good. some of my glad we're not doing so, that US. So, shit some of my picks were basically last year's Oscars. Um, so okay, that's cool. That's cool. No, same here. <laughs> Spoiler alert again. It's because there isn't a best picture Oscar. would works out what Al's number one was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck's sake. Um, I suppose I should probably go around in some sort of sensible fashion. Maybe Dave. Come, maybe come to me last because I'm still sort of figuring out what I'm going to say. Well, well you're going to fuck up the order then, aren't you? Alright, I might be I ready. Don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a four or a five anyway. I might okay. be ready by so that. So Flux has done not four and five. Clive, what's Dave. your number four and five? Dave, go. Save oh, okay. us. <laughs> right, am I doing these very, very quickly then? No, it doesn't have to be rapid, but in it. Do them as you were doing what? As if you were doing one. Say a little bit about each. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of my notes is three, like one word long here. So. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start with my number five, and my number five came out in. Uh, 2016, well, I'm hoping. The end of the end of 2015 in the US, but came out in twenty in January of. The US no longer exists. Came out in January of 2016, um, and it is um, Tom McCarthy's film Spotlight. Okay. Um, Spotlight was a is a um, biographical kind of crime film based on the revelation that, um, spoiler alert, Catholic priests are paedophiles. Oh, what? Um, I know. <laughs> I don't think many people saw it coming. When <laughs> no. <it happened. laughs> no, some people saw it coming. Uh, oh. I knew he was going to make it coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus. First yeah. film. Some of us had more taste. <laughs> thought we were better than that. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Didn't even know you were Catholic. Um, <laughs> starring um, Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, John Slattery, Stanley Tucci, Brian Darcy James, Liev Schreiber, and Billy Crudup, best known as the naked blue guy from. Um, well, no, wait, he was the owl guy. No, he was, no, he was, no, he was, he was the naked, 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 blue, naked blue, blue guy from Watchmen. From Watchmen. Yes. Um, I really. If, I don't know that you can enjoy a film like this, but I found the film very, um, very gripping and well presented, um, with sterling performances throughout. I particularly enjoyed Leif Schreiber, but then who doesn't? On a side note, will sterling is sterling a, a word on its own, or is it based on the 
money. Yes, it's sterling, s- said, sterling silver. Which came who first? Who said sterling? That's what I mean, yeah. Is he on about Roger Sterling because you mentioned... Because I mentioned Bill Slattery. Because I mentioned Slattery. John Slattery. I thought you said sterling performances throughout. Oh, oh I see. I'm meaning that's why you said that word. Is it based oh on the? What's a well-performing? It's based on the grading of silver. The pound sterling used to be based on the silver standard rather than the gold standard that it was adopted before previously. Brilliant. Glad you got here. That Carry massive on. tangent can now end. Dave, please continue. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I mean, I use Apple Pay, so I don't even know. <laughs> I Apple Pay performances all around. Yeah. I, for one, am investing in Trump bucks. <laughs> Which uh, suddenly be replacing the dollar pretty soon. <laughs> Yes, so um, I'm going to say that was Spotlight. Then, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. so my number four um, was a film that also came out in at the end of 2015 in the US and came out in January in um, the UK, and it's Alejandro Iñárritu's Ooh. The Revenant. Um, telling the story of legendary frontiersman and scout Hugh Glass, who, while supporting a fur trading expedition in 1823 in Montana and South Dakota, is brutally mauled and then left for dead by his compatriots. The film follows Glass as he survives the wild to take his revenge. Spoiler. Um, the film was uh, sterlingly well shot. With, is that, um, um, <laughs> that going to disappear when we lose the sterling? Take on Trump bucks because of our special relationship. Is that, is that based on Winger Raheem Sterling? <laughs> <laughs> is that right? other place? No, I have no football references here. <laughs> the film was well shot with sterling, epic, gorgeous landscapes, evoking a sense of real wild and revealing the fragility of human life within it. And the pacing of the film felt equally epic, not in the action sense, but that of scale and grandeur. Uh, I felt the movie. I felt. I felt the movie move slowly, but never too slow, and it allowed my mind to wander. It never allowed my mind to wander. Um, Tom Hardy plays the villain well, even if he proves that he doesn't need a mask to enunciate poorly. With sections, of, <laughs> with sections of his dialogue entirely lost to me, although I've seen him since in many other things. Have you seen him read that children's story? I've well, never once enunciates quite well in it. Does he? Yeah, okay. yeah quite well, surprised. That proved me wrong. I was just about to say, he's never once enunciated a word in his life. Um, Donald Gleeson. Sorry. That's his USP. Um, it's my dog's USP in that case. <laughs> Donald, Donald Gleeson was sturdy, if unspectacular. Um, his character lacked a depth that meant his last moments of the screen were significantly less meaningful than they could have been. Um, DiCaprio, on the other hand, gave his character an emotional element that really drew me in. And um, although dialogue is um, sparse in the middle fifth, sixth, five sixths of the film, um, I enjoyed his portrayal. Um, perhaps enjoys the wrong words. I, I literally said that same thing about in the spotlight thing. But um, anyway, enjoyed his wrong words. Um, I wasn't entirely convinced of its Oscar worthiness. Um, my viewing was made additionally interesting by an audience who laughed at what seemed to me to be inappropriate times, including um, the bear um, digging up people, uh, visions of dead wives, etc. But I live in a particularly um, shitty area. Yeah, <laughs> uninformed area. Death um, is good. His <laughs> <laughs> wife's dead. Um, so yeah, a beautiful moving movie that I felt 
was um, that felt grand um, in the not one thousand pound sense of the term, and um, I would recommend watching almost exclusively on the big screen. Bam. Bam. So that was yeah. Spotlight number five, Revenant number four. Bam. Alex Wayne. Right. Uh, my fifth one is one I actually haven't, didn't talk about on the podcast. Um, documentary. Um, snuck in there. Just decided last minute. I'm gonna go with Thirteenth, uh, which is a Netflix documentary. Which did have a brief cinema release, but I saw it on Netflix. Uh, made by Ava Devaney, who made the film Selma last year. The, oh. Martin um, Luther King biopic. Which was um, my number one last year. Which was Clive's number one last year. Uh, it's another um, kind of racial politics doc- uh, film, this time a documentary, um, about the 13th Amendment of the US Constitution, which banned slavery, but in a sense created a prison economy, which is still in existence to this day. Uh, I'm not going to say too much more about it, um, I'm not going to go in depth, but it's one of the most eye opening kind of race relations documentaries you'll ever see. Um, it's put together in a sterling fashion. Um, <laughs> oh God, uh, it's going to be a thing now, isn't it? <laughs> um, it you know, it's just engrossing and riveting, and it feels <laughs> very, very, very relevant, uh, particularly in today's world. Basically, telling the story of how replacing the economy of slavery with an economy of imprisonment is not an exaggeration. Um, I would advise anyone look it up. Um, don't. It's not going to be. It's not a particularly preachy documentary. Um, it's put together with style and a certain degree of panache, and I would heartily recommend it. And it's the best documentary I saw last year. Cool. And um, yeah, it was my number five. Exciting. I'll have to check that out because I've not. I don't think I've even heard of it. Maybe, oh, if, I I see, maybe if I see the post, and I'll recognise it. But okay. Sounds really good. My number four is equally serious. I would. I do have some more upbeat picks later on. Number four is um, the also 2016, I believe 2015 in terms of festivals, Son of Soul, uh, directed by Laszlo Nemes, is that how you pronounce his name? Or Nemes? Um, essentially, the film of a uh, Zonda commando, uh, basically a Jewish prisoner Auschwitz who was facilitating the Holocaust in order for their own survival, uh, decides to give a last minute burial proper burial to a boy who may or may not be his son. Um, one of the most gripping and horrific films I've ever seen. Um, shot almost exclusively uh, from an over-the-shoulder or just on-the-face perspective of the main character, uh, Saul Auslander. Uh, it means all of the horror of the Holocaust is kind of in your peripheral, which allows your imagination to do a much better job than filmmakers ever could and creates a huge a sense of genuine palpable dread I would say um, very important film um, never ever strays into the, the melodramatic like you might have seen in other Holocaust films um, saw this with Michael unfortunately I actually did miss 10 minutes of it when I had to go off to the toilet and it still didn't detract from it it was uh, amazing I've seen it since and it, it's, it stood up 10 minutes? you don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> Well, hell. on the I podcast that's not been released yet, we did make a joke about you having a poo, so... Yeah, well, seems you know, relevant. every time. Anyway, no, in all seriousness, it is genuinely a stunning film. It's probably, on my list, it's probably the best made film, but I couldn't put it as my number one because it's not my favourite. It's hard to enjoy a film like that. Um, it's more of an important experience than it is a piece of fluff entertainment. 
like my number one you'll hear later is a film that I think is important but is also extremely entertaining but we'll cool. see you later excellent um, both of those I haven't seen actually but I want to I've heard of uh, Son of Soul I've been meaning to watch it but I've not even heard of it either. Michael Johnson we're on to you thank you Mr well, Slayer Cheers. <laughs> well, the, the first thing he's, he's basically killed four oh, women on the way here. Would it be better if we just stay quiet? With exactly. Would have you ruined it? Ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined it. I mean, some might say that's the the very motto of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are wankers. Yes. Agreed. Yes. And in that spirit, continue. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd, first thing I should say is I don't even know what rules I've used anymore in my own mind for my 2016 selections. But <laughs> The Revenant and Son of Saul are both really good films. Neither of them have made my list though, so I'd, all bets are off at this point. But at five, I've got um, The Neon Demon, which is a candy-coloured, super-sized satire from the Danish director Nicholas Winding Refn. Not sure about the pronunciation. Uh, which is gorgeous to look at and benefits from one of the year's most outstanding scores as well by uh, Cliff Martinez. An unsurprisingly polarising film which culminates in one of the most bizarre scenes of this year, or any year really. Uh, definitely hugely stylized, but that's right up my street personally, and not a film that will be noted for its acting or plotting, but in my opinion brilliant as both a piece of cinematic design and as a provocation. Uh, and certainly liberally borrows from the aesthetics of fashion shoots and glossy advertising, but in an undoubt undoubtedly intentional manner. And then at fourth I've got Hill Caesar, which is a star-studded pastiche tapestry, which basically gives the Coen brothers an excuse to indulge all of their cinematic fantasies in one film, set in 1950s Hollywood, where an actor is kidnapped while filming a Roman epic. I, th I think it's a regularly hilarious film, which was... Apparently, according to certainly the sites on the internet where this sort of thing is collated, uh, quite downrated by moviegoers. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why, because I thought it was very entertaining. Josh Brolin's steady as the film's main anchor, but George Clooney is in suitably dumbfounded form as the kidnapped actor Bed Whitlock. And uh, also Alden Ehrenreich, not an actor I was previously familiar with, I would say he's a revelation as the singing cowboy Hobie Doyle. Especially in a scene with Rafe Fiennes' amazingly named character, Lawrence Lorenz, which is an unforgettable scene, in my opinion. Uh, another highlight is Channing Tatum being fantastically lampooned, just as he is in films like This Is The End and uh, also the Jump Street films. This is in a similar vein. I would say it's a mix of highbrow comedy, which focuses on the political and the theological, but also with more accessible material. And the whole thing flows very seamlessly and is a joy to watch, in my view. Ah, another one I haven't seen. Probably has line of the year, I think, the, the scene you mentioned. In the, Lo the Lawrence Lorenz scene. Twit the That's the one, that's the one, brilliant. Excellent. James Cable, are you ready? Yeah, just about. Cool. Cool. Hit us up. Right, well, I've, I've not been on a film podcast before. Is this your first this is, ever film? Yeah, this is new for me. Um, we had to make him watch some films to come on. I've watched plenty of films, <laughs> but like, unlike some of you guys, I'm not an expert. Well... Um, <laughs> Well, Dave's the only expert here, the rest yeah, of us are just... Clive just takes me to the cinema quite a lot, seeing as I am his cable, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you take yeah. him to the cinema. So I do, it's I not do to love, watch the film. I do love films, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. But So I'm going to keep this brief. Um, as you should. My number five is going to be Jungle Book. Because, um, yeah, it was, it was sort of a nostalgic experience for me. I loved it. I thought... I thought it was very well done in terms of the animation and how the faces, like, I don't know, the, the people, the actors, 
how they put it into the faces of the animals, it just was very expressive. Yeah, it was very good. And uh, they made a few little changes from the actual original, but it was still really good, and I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. Um, I think I probably shed a tear, and yeah, it was just it was a really good experience. Would you um, agree that this is definitely one, along with The Revenant, that, like Dave was saying earlier, that should be seen just in the cinema? Possibly. Possibly. Because we saw this together, didn't we? Yeah. I, I remember uh, coming out and thinking, this is definitely a cinema film where if it's on a small screen, it probably wouldn't be as yeah. impressive. I really want to see it. I booked to see it and then uh, I missed it for some reason. The CGI in it is it's really, it's really impressive. It's really impressive, isn't yeah. it? Oh. And you, can definitely, you could definitely get the sort of. Um, Emotions and sort of expressions of the actors yeah, yeah. within the animals. And I was really surprised when we came out that all of it was CGI. I, I thought like all yeah. the grass and stuff was at least real, but <laughs> obviously Mowgli wasn't. But apart from that, yeah, very impressive. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. And my number four is Deadpool because it was just hilarious. And yeah, Ryan Reynolds was just amazing. I thought the whole marketing thing was great. How they did it, it was different and it's sort of refreshing. And as I probably said on the TV thing. I get a bit fed up of all the all the uh, Marvel um, comic book stuff that's coming out. It's a bit saturating, but this was about sort of a breath of fresh air. Definitely. Um, this and Guardians of the Galaxy were sort of my top ones of from Marvel, and I'm excited for Guardians too. But yeah, Deadpool. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was hilarious. Watched it a couple of times since. So yeah, that was my five and four. Good shout, Sir James Fox does have a five and four. Yeah, I, I've just done a top three, but. Um, and, and there are UK 2016 releases I think uh, The Revenant probably would have been in that top 5 if I'd gone to 2015 releases in America that, right. uh, so that Oscar because I really enjoyed that that was really good um, but yeah it's, it's, I've just done a top 3 so I've got nothing else that's to. 5 that's cool, cool. Yeah, which means around to me uh, Mr Unprepared <laughs> I have got I have prepared a 5 though so let's see number 5 I took ages debating this it was very tough tough debate um, I watched quite a lot of films this year. Number five, I've gone for Rams, um, directed by Grimur Hankarsson, Icelandic guy, I'm assuming, by his name and the fact it's an Icelandic film. Um, <laughs> this is a film about two brothers who haven't spoken for 40 years, they live right next to each other, but they kind of come together over the sort of mutual love of sheep, not in that way. Um, not in the Welsh way. Not in the Welsh way, the Icelandic way, which involves rearing them. Um, they... <laughs> 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 Yeah, inappropriate choice of words. Um, yeah, they kind of there. It's not really a spoiler. Their sheep get some sort of uh, rare sheep disease, which involves. I think it's called scabies. I could be getting that wrong. Um, and they, yeah, which essentially means they have to not. They have to have them all wiped out, killed, and then not raise sheep for two years, which obviously is devastating for them. Um, and they kind of come together over this this problem. And it's just really two amazing performances from the central. Act, I'm not going to say the names, both Icelandic. Look them up. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic film, really. And it, Iceland's obviously a beautiful place, So, and this is set on a sheep farm, so it's in the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful. The performances are amazing, and it's one of those um, sort of... Just films that there's no real action, but the drama of it made me grip throughout, and I thought I thought the ending was actually... I really like the ending. It's kind of over, a bit overly symbolic, maybe, in, in a way, but without spoiling it. But I, I really liked the ending. I thought it was good, and yeah, I just really, really enjoyed this film. I was expecting it's kind of, in a way, it's a dark comedy. Although <laughs> it's definitely not that much. It's darker than it is a comedy. There's not I, much. I, I should many have said, laughs. I've, I've seen it, and it's, oh. like, it's Scandinavian humour, isn't it? Basically? Yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> you may not find that much of it funny. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thought it was. Good. Did you enjoy it, was, it, Michael? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. 
Just so imagine a Scandinavian humorous. What? You don't have social justice? Ha 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 That is pretty much it. What? Yeah. No universal healthcare? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, that's number five. Number four, I've gone for A Name Elisa, um, which was directed by Duke Johnson and Charlie Kaufman. Written by Charlie Kaufman, I believe. Um, and now I need to get up my other notes, because this is written in a different place. Um, get this in the edit, yeah. Yeah, get this in the edit. <laughs> or maybe so, not, since we've seen that. So that Anoma Lisa, it's about <laughs> essentially um, sort of. It just, it's quite a mundane. It's not really about anything particularly exciting. A guy goes on a business trip, meets a woman. Um, basically, I, I, I really enjoy Well, enjoy again. I was going to say this is going to come up a lot, is the wrong word, because I didn't <laughs> enjoy it, and I don't know if I want to watch it again. But. Um, I've written here, although far from a pleasant watch, I thought this was one of the st um, strongest films of the year so far, at the, I wrote at the time. <laughs> now I think Recycling. it's one of the strongest uh, films of the year, without the so far bit. Yeah. The portrayal of, uh, I think, like the mundanity of it and the protagonist's sort of lack of emotion was so well done and relatable to me at times. And I sometimes feel a little bit like that, like I'm not really feeling emotions and are just generally a bit flat. Um, but I felt the film changed me a little by the end. It was really, um, which is an effect that films don't really have on me that much anymore, so I was impressed with that element of it. And, uh, and I don't know if I'll ever like buck up the courage to watch it again, because it did have such a sort of a big effect on me, but not necessarily in a positive way. It just got me thinking about things <laughs> a lot. But I'm so glad that I've seen it once, and I thought it was a really, really good piece of cinema. I, again, I can't really say I loved it, but I just think it was a really great film, and I think it achieved what it set out to do so well for me, anyway. Argu so. Arguably, the most one of the most realistic sex scenes, despite being a public. Yes, another good point. Yeah, it, I think it was just quite realistic for me. Anyway, it was very relatable just throughout with certain bits of it. Of the five Charlie Kaufman films I've seen, this was my least favourite, and it was okay. brilliant. Right. So go figure. <laughs> right. And um, like, I agree with what you said broadly, but by the end when he like when he has a breakdown when he's giving a speech, yeah. I think what is like the penultimate scene of yeah. struggling to suppress laughter at that point. So it's quite an unusual film in that sense. <laughs> yeah. Quite a range of things going on. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I just found it incredibly heavy, but in a good way. So yeah, that's made my top which I was not expecting it to make my top five when I started watching. I was expecting it to be one of those that I didn't really get <laughs> as such but yeah really like that so that's my four and five um, we're back round to Dave now it's time for number threes and up thank you um, so my number three I won't talk about in a great wait hold on <laughs> was that time we did films um, I've talked about this on films before I'm pretty sure yes I have uh, number three I won't go into it a great deal it was um, it is uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, yeah, I think this is the last yeah, podcast. Yeah, it was, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you'll have heard me um, wax lyrical about this already. So I'll just say that I really enjoyed this latest addition to the um, Star Wars herb and um, that I appreciated its difference as much as its, its similarities to other Star Wars films. I particularly enjoyed the bottom-up nature of the film. And yes, so yeah, Star Wars Rogue One. Cool. This is my number eleven, I think. Looking at my list. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was awesome. Cool. Uh, I'm also going to be very quick with my third one because it's already been brought up. Uh, I will go for the Revenant at number three. Um, yeah, not much more to add on what Dave said there. Um, I was, I thought it was spectacularly shot. And it was everything I wanted 
uh, out of a film like this. And for me, it was a stark contrast to Inyarity's other big film of recent times, Birdman, which I thought was a good film that left me very, very cold. Um, now, not that not that the Revenant's a particularly emotionally investing film, other than anger, but um, I felt it was. I don't know. It was just always there was there was no cold into no cold intellectualism that I felt with Birdman. Right. And I thought it was. I thought it was just a, just a riveting sort of thriller, and. Um, Despite the fact you couldn't understand Tom Hardy, I thought he was excellent. <laughs> excellent. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. His his eyes spoke volumes. Yeah, <laughs> he should have just not spoke. <laughs> I, I always yeah. enjoyed Tom Hardy. Where yeah. he was in I mean, I feel DiCaprio was very good, and I'm not sure it was the best performance of the year. But I think mainly he got that best act, uh, actor Oscar because they felt they should have already given it to him. Yeah, which happens extraordinary amount of time but yeah I thought I thought The Revenant was an excellent I thought it was at its strongest when it was kind of just being a realist kind of survival drama mm. I thought it was at its weakest when it was getting trying to be spiritual with his dead wife but overall I thought it was okay, cool. a cracking cinema experience yeah cool Michael Johnson you're number three thank you well a bit of overlap with Cable here I've got Deadpool at three on my list uh, I'll summarise my thoughts on it uh, as Cable alluded to, obviously there's a constant avalanche of superhero movies which mm. has become quite tiring in my opinion. This certainly stands alone. I wouldn't say it's groundbreaking or mould-breaking in particular, but it takes the idea of a somewhat meta, self-referential, smart-arsed anti-hero and runs hard and fast with that concept. Uh, Ryan Reynolds in a career role as uh, the titular character. Ed Screen perfectly cast as a permanently smirking British baddie, Ajax. And uh, I would say one of the most notable things about the film, uh, iconic or already iconic opening credits, I think, uh, and an opening scene which was instantly one of my favourites when I first saw it, featuring an unlikely theme song, Angel of the Morning by Juice Newton. Uh, funny throughout, and uh, for both wisecracks and toilet humour, and especially a bizarre sequence towards the end of the film when Deadpool is living with a blind elderly woman. Uh, it has quite an enjoyable supporting cast of characters uh, such as Colossus, the brilliantly named Negasonic Teenage Warhead, <laughs> Deadpool's taxi driver, whose name escapes me at the moment. Racist. Uh, well, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> what can I say? Jesus. <laughs> um, but um, also with an, uh, an affecting, a genuinely affecting relationship angle shot throughout the film. But I would say it's flower enjoyable and unsurprisingly annihilated Valentine's Weekend box office records on both sides of the Atlantic. And that's my number three. Bam. Clearly the best Marvel film this year, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. well, I don't well, know if I've even seen it. Settle, right, you know what, we need to settle a debate on this as on a podcast and take it wasn't technically it wasn't a Marvel Universe film. We had this debate on the podcast. It was there. made by Marvel Studios. No, it was not. Who was it made by? It was made by Fox Un Bullshit. Twentieth Century Fox, I guarantee you. Uh, not a Marvel Universe. I'm pretty film. sure it was distributed by Fox but made by Marvel Studios. Boom. Boom. No, it's not oh, no, no. We hang on, hang on, no, It's not part of the Marvel Universe, I guarantee you. Right, I, I, I would maybe agree with you that it's not part of MCU. But I've got it written down in my notes. Spoiler alert! This is going to come up later. <laughs> uh, it was it was produced by Marvel Studios and distributed Thank by Twentieth Century. Fox. Of all the Marvel Studios films this year, take that. Oh well, yeah. Well, <laughs> it made the others look. It has. Stale. It has. The, in a year. What of, were the other ones? Civil War. Well, Civil War was what I was thinking of. I haven't it, seen that. Doctor Strange. Well, I've yeah, Doctor Strange. Quiet, actually. It, Maybe people don't know <laughs> it. In a year of uh, 
where X gun and gave it to you. Sounds like South voiceover. See it come up a lot of times. This is the best use of it as well. <laughs> cool. Um, cable. I think we're up to you now. Yeah. Right. So, my top three are all films which have sort of affected my life in some way or made me think. I don't know. Jesus. Um, nice. My number three is I Daniel Blake. Uh, which is obviously very relevant to where we are. It's based in the tune. There it is. Yeah, I'm sure you all know what it's about. It's is that about... why I affected you? It inspired you to come here? Well, yeah, I just thought I have to come here. After you felt that. the benefit system up in the tune. Yeah, it's, it's so fucking need to go and make a change. <laughs> yeah, it's about Daniel, and he's uh, a guy who's affected by the benefit system. You know, he loses, he's, he's, he, he gets signed off as ill and loses his job, and it's all about that. And he meets this girl who's affected in different ways by the benefit system and basically why why I loved it was it was it was very very sad but it was also very very funny and I think best sort of the best things have that sort of double double sort of way of doing mm. it they they deal with things that are very difficult and very hard but they make a joke out of it as well I think that was all because of the uh, performance of the what was the main actor called Dave Johns, I believe. Right, he, yeah. I just, yeah, the way he, he dealt with stuff with humour, didn't he? Yeah, he, like, yeah. The, f- the first he's, he's a stand-up comedian by trade, by the oh, way, okay. not an actor. Oh, so. right. right. But yeah, but the very first, the very first <laughs> few, few lines were hilarious. Yeah, like, before, yeah. before there was anything on screen, it was in black, and he was just talking to that, um, he was talking to, was it his nurse or something? No, I, don't, I believe it's a benefit. Yeah, it's a benefit person on the phone, isn't it? Because yeah. it had that and famous just, theme tune. That was just hilarious, and... Those were claim benefits I've heard a lot of times. Yeah, and it just it, it it reminds me of a similar thing I got with the whole Brexit thing, and also the whole Trump thing. In that, I find myself in, as I'm sure a lot of people do, in a bit of a bubble. In that, a lot of the people I associate myself with, my friends and my family and stuff, all come from a similar background. And I don't see that side of society. But I'm from the streets, cable. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't really necessarily appreciate what's going on with that, well, different parts of society and yeah, it was yeah, very totally. interesting to watch that and um, I know there's a lot of controversy about whether it was realistic and whether it was sort of picking the worst parts and put, all sort of putting them together but hmm. I believe it was realistic in what it portrayed and yeah, it got me thinking and it sort of opened it I know a lot of people had a lot to say about it and it opened up a dialogue, which I think is very important, and it was just a generally a really good film. I think even um, if it is just the worst examples in one, yeah. it doesn't make it any less relevant. Yeah, I mean, no, most films are exaggerated in some way. Exactly. It's hyper-realism as a form of satire. Or exactly. To be dramatic, yeah, yeah. it's going to have to be the worst example. You're not just going to have a film where somebody has to wait four weeks for the benefits. That's not a film. <laughs> no. Yes, yeah, totally. But I'm sure something like this has happened, and I don't think it's... That outlet. I, I remember reading that all of it was based on real experiences. Yes. Yeah. Whether they were all by one person, I don't no, know. But no, yeah. but I don't think it matters. Yeah. yeah. I think it, yeah. I, I, this. I think was in my. But it's something where I was, oh, you know, I was aware this stuff sort of happened, but I came out of it and I was like, wow, this is really, really shit, and it made me think. So, yeah, that's why it's number three. Totally, a very good film. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely in my top ten, but not my top five, unfortunately. But yeah, I was I was very affected by it as well coming out. It's very good. We went to see it together, didn't we? Yeah. It was just me and you. Mandate I took my cable along. Took his cable. <laughs> and James cable. Um, oh, not an object. <laughs> I was talking about my USB cable. Okay. Uh, 
Num- my number three is like, also. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa! Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. Flux has got three. That's me. That's me. That's hard. Forgot you were there. He's literally sat in a room with me. Uh, my number three, I'll not dwell too much as it's already been mentioned, uh, but my, my number three was Hail Caesar, uh, written and directed by Jordan Ethan Cohen, starring Josh Brolin, George Clooney, etc. Et um, I was really excited to see this film, but didn't, unfortunately didn't get it to see it at the, at the cinema, and therefore watched it on the train on the way to Newcastle. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's <laughs> so pretty, pretty recent in memory. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Again, I'm not going to go too much into it, but the story follows uh, Eddie Mannix, a Hollywood fixer in the 50s, um, as he tries to resolve problems across multiple films being shot by his studio. Um, realistically, it's the characters that make this film great. They really drive the film along, um, and there's some really great, uh, kind of really exaggerated caricatures of characters, very many of whom are clearly based on stars of of the 50s that you can relate back to Marilyn Monroe etc um, again I uh, was particularly struck by Alden Ehrenrich um, his Hobie Doyle was absolutely fantastic, was by far the most likeable character amongst all of those in there um, and genuinely that I was also, I've also mentioned in my notes that scene between him and Ray Fiennes as by far the standout of the entire film frankly um, also a a particular mention for uh, the speech towards the end by George Clooney as a brilliant piece of comedy. Um, I really, really enjoyed this, and there are certainly worse ways to kill a journey between Manchester and Newcastle, frankly. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. My number three. Just getting stuck in a cow. <laughs> so um, when, we, when we were brainstorming how to pronounce Ray Fines earlier, it was the same film. Yes, it was, yes. <laughs> By the way, uh, talking about those... Did you uh, manage to get the cattle innards out of your um, windscreen wrappers kit? Uh, well, I've, I've, actually, I've actually ran out of washer you know, water. Oh, that's, that's so important. It was a bit difficult, so every time I went past the lorry and they sprayed me, I sort of tried to get yeah. the best off. It's <laughs> still, still a bit sort of lingering. but you getting know, Clive. Clive, yeah, like he's venturing it out of the window to let you know, turn left. <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah, such it was touch and go whether I'd be able to see enough to be able yeah. to get here, but a couple of close calls. Obscured yeah. by entrails. That's that's a death metal album. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Should be. Yeah. Should be, shouldn't it? Um yeah, now, is it now my number three? It is now your number three. TV's got nothing to say, yeah. yeah <laughs> right, um The Revenant is my number three, which has already been mentioned, so I'll just mention it a little bit. Uh, directed by Alejandro Iñarito. Uh, it's brutal and beautiful. I love the simplicity of the story and the fantastic performances. For me, it was kind of it reminded me of a Cormac McCarthy book where it's quite a simple story, but the way it's portrayed is so brilliant that you are gripped throughout by the beauty and the kind of you know just the way it kind of portrayed the intense scenes such as the bear morning and stuff like that. I thought it was really really good and describing um, it like fifty percent of the time. Describing the landscape—that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it is, and this obviously didn't describe the landscape, but it was—it yeah. showed it for a lot of the time. Death felt with starkness, almost. Yeah, absolutely. And that, it, this was like, in my opinion, the best sort of portrayal of that type of writing into a film. Yeah, and that's why I really, really love the Revenant. Again, yeah, I think they were both. All the performances were fantastic. I could have done with um, Hardy and not seeing a little bit more, just like everyone else has already joked about. 
but yeah, it was gripping and intense from start to finish, which I was surprised about. I was expecting to be bored a little bit. Most films, at some point, I get bored for a bit <laughs> and start thinking about, you know, my next English lesson, which is shocking, really, because English lessons are quite boring. But, <laughs> but yeah, this film, I didn't think about any lessons, so well done. Well done in your eater. There's a box caught. <laughs> Yeah. Not as bad as English. <laughs> <laughs> or for Clive's Ofsted report, frankly. <laughs> Obviously my English lessons are superb. Um, right, so we're on to number two. It's exciting. Dave, go number two. <laughs> this is not going to be exciting, though. No, number two. Uh, he's done a pill. Just give me a second. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh no. All right, okay, so my number two. Um, I'm just going to read the notes that I did at the time. Um, it's a bit lazy, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> it is. Uh, and it also contain lots of pop culture references that don't make any sense. Anymore. Like talking like, about how Trump will never win yeah, the election. Exactly. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, my number two is um, The Hateful Eight, a film that came out in 2015, I believe, in the US and for the awards season, but came out over here in 2016. Um, the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino, The Hateful Eight was a western telling the story of eight frontiersmen brought together in a halfway house to weather out a storm. I saw this in, uh, in 17mm and so I got to enjoy the overture which immediately followed the trailers so everyone had already been sat for 20 minutes before the film started. Um, I did see this at um, the Leicester Square Odeon the home of the UK premiere, so I sat two rows in front of where and the director himself had seen the movie just a few weeks prior. Um, this was a special Panavision 70mm viewing and it looked absolutely fabulous on the Odeon's epic screen. The intermission is a much is much missed for my money. Um, in Switzerland they always the, do intermission. For the modern film. Um, not only does it serve um, certain perfunctory benefits it adds, a, uh, it, adds, it adds a cliffhanger to the centre of the movie. Um, the early shots of this film and the epic landscape suited the medium and I enjoyed the story, the pacing, the characters and the tension. In all, this is an, uh, this is an awesome movie I've put here. <laughs> oh, that's very, very hip of you. <laughs> you went from, I, was, I nearly said good word earlier, so you, you've gone from kind of like, yeah. you know, sort of like really intelligent to, you know. Yeah. Magazine. This was a really <laughs> wow. This was a really, really, really good movie, <laughs> and and his best post Pulp Fiction. Oh. <laughs> However, why the need for extremely stylized cartoonish violence? I am not squeamish, but it's the farcical nature of the explosive fountains of blood which almost break the fourth wall for me, um, and they detached me in some scenes and made me very aware I was watching a movie. Um, however, it was a detracted. It was, it, sorry, it was a minor detraction from a well-rounded, gorgeously executed piece of cinema. Um, Samuel Jackson was on fine form, but my favourite performance was that of Kurt Russell, who played a thundering bear-like Joe Roth, bro Hangman, Joe Hangman Roth, um, Ruth. Even nice to see Tim Roth, but boy, Michael Madsen <laughs> has been drawn a short straw. Think how good-looking he was in Reservoir Dogs. Poor guy. Um, a worthy addition to the Tarantino. I've written Irv again. I just you love that word, don't you? What a word, Sterling and Irv. I mean, how, if you ever listen back to these episodes, you'll notice you say certain words. Yeah. Like I say, 
a, a sterling addition to the Tarantino, <laughs> a Tarantino herb, although I don't think enjoy is the right word. Um, sterling, <laughs> is it um, <laughs> when we inevitably drop out of the sterling? Irv, I mean, any word with that many vowels in that's actually a word can't be bad. How do you spell it? <laughs> with great difficulty. <laughs> yeah, so my number two was, Thanks, um, was Tarantino's Hateful Eight. Okay. Excellent. Uh, my number two. Um, I'm going to go to you next, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> I'm next in line. Presumptuous. So, yeah, yeah. My number two is uh, Green Room, oh. directed by Jeremy Solnier, who people may or may not know from Blue Ruin, which is an excellent film. Uh, it's a very. Does he have to start his film names with a colour? Possibly. So far, yes. So far, yeah. He's only. I think. Believe he's done two or three films. He did one back into that one with some arrangement of the name of the tree. Yeah. Don't think it started with the colour though, so let's Possibly forget about not, yeah. Just to give it a draw. Right, doesn't, yeah. doesn't exist then, does it? Anyway, yeah. Um, really, really nasty, gritty, some dirty, kind of like wound infested thriller. <laughs> wow. The Ain't Rights are a punk band, very unsuccessful, touring the Pacific Midwest, I believe. After having nearly run out of money, they are booked into a neo Nazi club in the middle of the woods. Um, where they antagonise the locals with a cover of the Dead Kennedys, uh, Nazi punks. Fuck, Fuck off. off. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a good move. Uh, however, that isn't what gets them into trouble. They accidentally witness a murder, and having been threatened, lock themselves in the green room. Hence the title, uh, leading to a dread-fueled, um, squeam-inducing thriller of. Nightmarish proportions. Um, starring Anto- the very the late Anton Yeltsin, who uh, when we first reviewed that, I think he died literally about a day the day of when the we day reviewed it. The day of recording. Yeah. Surprised we haven't been banned. It, it was literally <laughs> the worst review you ever given. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I, I, I was aware of it, and you told me. Yeah, I'm not uh, saying that your review killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give a good review. Um, <laughs> Also starring Imogen Poots and Patrick Stewart and I forget her name, but maybe from Arrested Development. And uh, Aliyah Shawkat. Here we go. Uh, maybe from, I like it. I'm going to do that from now on. I'm not sure. Was she actually maybe? Her name is maybe. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, from from, from now on, on just, ma- just throw in things that people haven't been in and go, maybe from that. Don't know, not at all. <laughs> That's my point. We'll do it shortly. My wise crack is turned out to be a yeah. stupid anyway, crack. Definitely anyway, from Public City. If I'm honest, <laughs> <laughs> my absolute favourite genre is probably the thriller genre when it's done right. And I really like, I, don't, I like it better than a horror film in the sense that horror kind of tries to make you afraid, but a thriller will try and kind of Thrill admit, No, well, <laughs> yes, but... It will kind of mix. <laughs> literally just describing the words horror and thriller. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, it's more of a. It's more of a. I don't know. It's a comedy. Often makes you try and laugh. <laughs> Drama trying to make you feel so dramatic. <laughs> Documentary is like document things. It's very uh, weird, isn't it? I, I think it has a more sophisticated um, kind of manipulation of your emotions. I would say than, you, for instance, I would say Seven is a better kind of horror film. Than it is um, than your standard horror film, despite the fact you probably define it as a thriller. And I think Green Room has violence in it, which is very, very necessary, yet absolutely terrifying. And it made me wince physically, and I'm not um, easily 
wince-induced, shall we say. Uh, <laughs> squeamish, you could moment. say. Yeah. 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 Let no one say Alan's a wincer. <laughs> I prefer wince-induced. Um, anyway, it, it's, it's just... I think I watched it again recently because it's, um, it's recently appeared on Netflix. Yeah, I was going to uh, watch it the other day. I didn't. And Idiot. I would say that on, on reflection, I love it just as much, but I took... Whether or not it was intended by Solnier, I took more of a political point from it the second time round. It seems to be more reflective of the current um, kind of political climate than anything else, mm-hmm. and it it almost doesn't matter if it that was intentional or not. Art is what you take; it's in the eye of the of the beholder, if you like. And I don't know. It, it was the best made thriller of last year for me, aside from perhaps my number one. Oh, what a plug! I think I know what his number one is. I think I knew it before we started because last week he revealed it last week. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just describe suicide. Just just figured it out. Throwing myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Batman vs Superman. Yeah. um, We'll have a podcast extras. Al's turkeys of the earth. In which I just Christmas literally turkey was particularly. Hello at the. uh, (laughs) I'm the only turkey I ate all year. Didn't even eat a turkey or a chicken. <laughs> we always have a Christmas chicken because <laughs> we like alliteration. Um, where are we? Michael Johnson. It's probably you, isn't it? Number. <laughs> probably me, isn't it? Let's take it. Certainly isn't me. <laughs> Michael Johnson, your number two. Thank you. Well, I should just say that again. I haven't included the hateful eight under whatever rules I've come up with, but I thought it was brilliant. So. Um, Is it because it had eight in the title, so it could fit? It couldn't fit into a top five. No. <laughs> <laughs> Some tumbleweed going through. Wow. Green Newcastle. Uh, but I'll just double down on Green Room because I've also got it ranked at number two here. Oh. Um, I, I would describe it as darker than a block of Bolmville with an economical <laughs> approach to on screen violence. So more of a Peruvian 85%. <laughs> <laughs> what a green, green and black number. Yeah, or a green and black, they are literally quite black. Any, anything you like. Confectionery wise. Green and Blacks is listening, we're quite happy to do promotional work. <laughs> or just take free chocolate. <laughs> um, chocolate. This, this isn't your Tarantino style cartoon brutality. Um, when someone's shot in the head here, you know about it, and you have actually written this. Wince hard. Good <laughs> <laughs> <Same> word. <clears throat> Uh, it continues to mark Jeremy Solnier down as a director to watch. Uh, the ratcheting of tension is outstanding. And uh, also, touching on what Alex said, the idea of fascism in America would have seemed uh, quite a quaint theme a year or two ago, but not so much now. It's got a must-see turn from Patrick Stewart, who seems to be speaking in a coded language throughout the film and has quite a chilling presence. And, as again, as Alex already referenced, is likely to remember as one of Ant- Anton Yelchin's final, final films after his untimely death in the summer. I would say the ending of the film is ripe for mining, for interpretation. What happens in the scene is clear, but there seems to be a deeper message at play, which I don't think I've necessarily yet managed to get my finger on, even though I've seen the film twice. But having seen it, having seen it twice already, I would um, I would certainly watch it again. Uh, I think it's a very strong film. I'm going to have to go watch this. No, I haven't. Yes, I think you'll enjoy it, Clive. Yeah, James, wrong, but I, think so. I like punk bands getting chopped up. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James Cable. Yeah, okay. My number two has been mentioned before, uh, Rogue One, Star Wars story. Um, yeah, I'm a big fa- big Star Wars fan, so... <laughs> Me and Kevin went to a Star Wars quiz the other day. Didn't yeah, we did. Well, not thanks we to took uh, two, two of the guys from my work, one of which is like the biggest Star Wars fan I know, and he's pr- pretty much obsessed with... Me and Kevin probably would have got two out of Read all the books and, you know, and we still didn't win. Yeah. But, um, but we did pretty well, I think we probably came The fair. questions were all sort of like, 
how it's many, all like script stuff. Yeah, like how, who said this? How many of this happened? And have you got an example question? Uh, it was like. See if I can get it. Uh, no, except for the Parsex one, but that wasn't that bad. What did Ray think? The this is the only one I actually knew, which is why I remembered it. Um, what did Ray think the Millennium Falcon could do? The whatever it is in the how many Parsecs? Thingy run. Kessler run. Kessler run. Kessler. Yeah, that. How many did she think she, it could do it? In? She's I have no idea. She was 14, 14 was it? Yeah, she's 12. got 14. That was the only one I got. Why did she even at the quiz? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I got that one. And it was, there was another one which was useless. What is the probability, what does C3PO say oh, the probability yeah. of success. Getting, success of getting through an asteroid field is in, is that in A New Hope or? No, yeah, it's in one of the. Yeah, no, 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 Empire Strikes Back. Empire, yeah. And it's like 2000 it's something and 21 or something. That's yeah. a one. To one, yeah. It's, it's all stuff like that, so it was like... It was well hard. It was testing your ability to r- remember numbers and testing lines how, rather than how big a fan you are. How yeah, you yeah, like Star Wars. yeah, testing your memory. Yeah, it was good fun, but it was more... Yeah, uh, luckily your friend was good. So you would have been able yeah. to answer it and do an impression of it? I uh, No, I didn't know that exactly. But I could have oh, done a good really? impression. <laughs> Give, given that, I could have done a good C-3PO impression. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah. Cable, sorry. But anyway, yeah. Rogue One... Um, as as an overall experience, I think is probably why it's up there. Is because like I've got quite a few friends who love it, and the hype for it and everything else. It's just I just really get into it, and then I really I really loved Rogue One. Um, like Dave said before, it was very different for a Star Wars film, but it still had all the mm. the things that make it Star Wars. You know, it had sort of lots of references to the old films and throwbacks and. Um, cameos and like references to uh, Star Wars Rebels the animated TV show which I love and yeah it was just everything about it was just Star Wars and it was very different which made it unique and different and yeah so you know what was going to happen in the end which was made it different and I love stuff where it's a different way around of thinking and yeah I loved it so Star Wars. Cool, good shout. Um, James Lux doesn't exist, I'm going to explain <laughs> No, James wow. Lux, you're next up, number two. Uh, my number two, as some of you keen listeners may have worked out, was Deadpool, um, directed by Tim Miller, written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, uh, starring Ryan Reynolds, etc. etc. Um, Deadpool is, uh, is essentially a superhero origin story following the titular character's uh, journey to uh, <laughs> becoming <laughs> to becoming Deadpool from Wade Wilson. Um, by the way, for anyone who's interested, Wade Wilson based on the DC character Deathstroke, Slade Wilson, and that is where he got his name from. Um, I was excited to see this film as Deadpool's one of my favourite characters um, from the Marvel universe, and I've read quite a lot of uh, his iconic stories, uh, and I'm really pleased that I wasn't disappointed with this. Um, the writing was excellent generally it was really funny it really encapsulated Wade Wilson's character as it's presented in the majority of the well known stories it both had its cape by making open shots and parodies of the superhero genre whilst eating it and incorporating many of those into the story itself Ryan Reynolds was absolutely fantastic as Deadpool the comic delivery to really pull off the kind of constant barrage of quips and chatter um, whilst the charisma to make Wade a uh, genuinely um, sort of compelling and likeable character despite everything he does, which is generally awful to everyone. Um, <laughs> it's by far the best superhero film since Guardians of the Galaxy, 
and it might all it may have even given Guardians a, a push for the best best Marvel film. I'm a big Marvel fan, and I love this. I love Deadpool. This was absolutely fantastic. Um, my final word is that I really, really hope the spoiler at the end of this film comes true, but I'm not going to ruin it for those who haven't seen it. <laughs> I can't remember it. But anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised about... Sorry, Michael, go on. Uh, no, that's all right. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I'm surprised about the amount... I, I, like, I really like Deadpool, but I'm surprised about the amount of love it's getting. <laughs> not in a... Not in like a way of I thought it was shit. No, it would. Just it, made, it made my top ten. It just didn't make my top five. Yeah, so uh, it probably didn't make my top ten, but I thought it was really good. I think I said titular when I was talking about Deadpool earlier, so I must be getting good at it because no one said that. Yeah, you must have <laughs> sort of swung it under the radar. You didn't emphasize the tit that you. Yeah, he was like yeah. the tit chiller. You know how I feel about the word titular. Yeah, and he squeezed his tit when he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the bit where I was just like... That's what got me. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Now it's me, yeah? yeah. Um, my number two Ooh. is... That means three of our number twos feature the word room. Because mine is room. <laughs> my number two. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm an American sports commentator. I've got to find Brilliant stats. improvisation. Yeah. Find shitty stats out of nothing. <laughs> this is the fifth time this quarterback has thrown a ball 45 degrees... 50% corner in 2017. Um, right, Room, Brie Larson, Jacob Tremblay are in it. It's directed by Lenny Abrahamson. Um, it had, it's essentially about a, a guy who's captured a woman and wants to have sex with her, so it's pretty dark subject matter. However, it handles this dark subject extremely well, I thought. And I thought I think this, both of the central performances that I've mentioned, Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay, were absolutely amazing. Jacob Tremblay, I think, probably the best child performance I've ever seen. I thought it was fantastic. Um, this, yeah, I just thought this film was brilliant. I think it had one of those moments where I don't think it's really a spoiler to say that they get out because that's essentially what the film yeah, is. It's, it's, it's in the trailer. Yeah, the film's, the film's more about um, what happens after than in it anyway. But I think the way the film spent a fair amount of time in the room and then they got out, and I think the way they portrayed his sort of this boy who'd never seen the outside world and how he felt about that um, was fantastic and really kind of overwhelming and probably one of the best moments in, in the cinema I've had this year. Um, and I, I just thought it was brilliant throughout. I think all the performances were really, really realistic, struggling with that. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. I don't have tons to say on it other than it really, really moved me, which is usually what this list ends up being. My top five films that moved me in some sort of way, and this one definitely did. This, this, um, I thought it was fantastic. This is a contender for my top five. Um, this and Arrival missed out on my top five. Ooh. Just, so just. Arrival just missed out on mine. Uh, yeah. Thirteenth yeah. snuck in ahead of them. It was between those three for my last spot. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant film. Um, it's not what you think it will be. I think. I no, think, it's not uh, as dark as you think. No, it's I, like, I think you think it's just going to be this film about a woman being captive. It's going to be. And it's it, going to be it is dark. And it, it is dark, yeah. but it, and it's got some scenes that are very. Insulting, but it's quite but, surprisingly but, uplifting. Yeah, quite hopeful, mm. relatively speaking. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. it is surprisingly uplifting. Sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be dark and just like. And I've been trying to get my mum to watch it because I think she'll like it, but she's always just like. But the subject matters too. Putting her off, I'm like, it's not quite as bad as you think it'll be. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It doesn't skirt over the subject, but it's 
Totally. I don't know, it just does it really well in a way that doesn't make it any darker than it needs to yeah, be. Yeah, and it, it, it doesn't and kind of embellish it, it doesn't No, like, it doesn't make the guy that's just... That's not the point, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just think it just handled the subject brilliantly and I was so surprised because I did, again, I thought it was just going to be a dour thing throughout where I thought it was good but it was just completely unenjoyable whereas actually it was, although not necessarily enjoyable, just really uplifting at points and yeah, actually it, had... It, you, it's hard to sell it as feel good based on the yeah. Matter, but it's, it's yeah. a pr- it is in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, room is my number two. Dave, we're on to number ones. Bum bum bum, numero uno. Give us a drum beat, Clive. Um, let's can I drum on something? Whoever's in that next room's gonna be pissed <laughs> off. But anyway, there is no room. So drum away. There is no room. There's no room that way. Is it not the green room? <laughs> Dave, <laughs> <laughs> to um, to continue a theme, this film also features a room. Sterling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my number one film in 2016 is Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh, oh I forgot about it. Did not see that. that it's on your list. No. Did not see. That's, you know what? That's an M. Night Shyamalan twist, not this. <laughs> I've completely forgotten about you just that. Throw, a curveball. Yeah, I don't think it would have made my top five. The nicest but... thing you've ever said I, to me. I yeah. thought of it when you started emphasising the room stuff, but I don't think I would, anyone would have it at number one. So yeah, I, I don't know. Don't know if it would have made my top five. It might have done. That's a curveball. Was it Shane Warne balls or googly? Was it a really early in the year or something? No, it wasn't. That was like March or something. Well, probably first half. Okay. Go Might ahead, sorry. Go on. <laughs> a, good, a good choice. You're having a much nicer time than what I'm going to give you with my review. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. So, um, I'm apologising for those guys. Um, <laughs> something he's used to. <laughs> have you noticed a lot of our films have, have had names in the title, actually? Uh, sorry, names. Names? Okay. Yeah, of course. They've had titles. Have, have you noticed a lot of these films have had titles? <laughs> Numbers in the title. Right, one. Had. Ten Flow Fleer Lane, there's someone else with an eight in it, hateful eight. It's as if we use numbers a lot. Rogue One. Anyway, Dave, oh, go on. Not a mind. Rogue One. <laughs> go on. <laughs> go um, on. Yeah, so <laughs> help me. This film was um, directed by um, Dan Trachtenberg and was something of a spiritual spin-off of um, 2008's um, Cloverfield. This film tells the story of a um, of a woman leaving her life and um, getting in a car accident, and is held in a shelter with two other men who claim the outside world is affected by a widespread chemical attack. Now, I don't, I don't want to go into it too much more than that because this is a film that is brilliant because you never truly ever feel settled. You never know what to, what is coming next. It never lets you feel comfortable. Um, I don't mean that in a kind of, necessarily in a scary horror kind of way. I'm not particularly a fan of the horror film, but this is one of the better examples of a thriller um, I've ever watched. The starting is, the start is very reminiscent of um, Hitchcock's Psycho. Um, a woman, you know, escaping her life, getting in a car and driving away, and there are kind of Hitchcockian elements to the movie. But this, this thriller, absolutely had me gripped throughout. 
you could um, have many conversations, I'm sure, about the ending of the movie. Lots of people may agree or disagree on um, the impact that that had, but I don't think anyone could disagree that um, Mary Elizabeth Olstead's um, performance was at uh, Winstead, sorry, um, performance was absolutely outstanding throughout um, as the. I know where he's going. She's got tits. She's got tits. Titular, titular character. She's not titular. Her name's not oh. like Cloverfield Lane. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Roman. Shit. Her name is Michelle. Right, first, you objectify me, now I'm objectifying women. <laughs> well, it's not sexist then, is it? Because I'm objecting on both sexes. Ooh. <laughs> Alright, that's a fair point. <laughs> 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 Oh, um, but Sorry. I, I think the, the definitely the best performance in the movie with very limited cast. But um, I was absolutely, I absolutely adored um, John Goodman's performance, who blew apart blew apart any kind of hint of him being typecast as a lovable, fun, jolly fat bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen him recently, by the way? No, Not so fat anymore. No. I don't know. Well, I mean, he's been on the Alex Wern diet. He's spent, <laughs> he spent a long it's time. A hell of a diet. Yeah. He spent a lot of time underground in Louisiana. Yeah. Because of the chemical attack. Who <laughs> was utterly uh, gave an utterly chilling performance um, that really brought this film together. Um, Ten Cloverfield Lane was a film that I wasn't necessarily. Um, too aware of before I watched it. It wasn't doesn't necessarily fit into a genre that I would find particularly interesting. And I what I I've not seen Cloverfield, for example. Really? Um, Have you seen it now? I've not seen it now. No, no. I don't. Well, I don't think they're really that connected. But well, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't exactly. Yeah. Mm. So um, I would I would certainly recommend this film to. Uh, well, to anyone really. I mean, if you're unsure that you um, that this isn't a genre that you would enjoy, I think this is definitely a film in um, in a kind of thriller horror genre that will um, get you get you hooked. Yeah. So yeah, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Really good choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really like this. Number one, well, yeah. it, was, I loved uh, it. If I'm honest, it didn't really like. It was a great film. It probably was one of my top ten of the year, but. It, for some reason, it slipped my mind. I forgot Same. it was this year. Same. I knew there was going to be one of these. I'm not, I'm not yeah, positive it would have made my top five anyway, but it would have been a contender probably. Um, yeah, like John Goodman is absolutely. I mean, when is he not unbelievable? But um, he's yeah, he makes this film almost, doesn't he? He's been absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. I saw him recently just to mention that, and he's he's he looks like a shell of a man. Really? But he's um, yeah, no, he's he's brilliant and everything. This is. Great. Like you said, the, the ending, some people won't like, I don't think. Some people will. I didn't mind it myself. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. I like to think it is connected to Cloverfield. And well, it's, it, it wasn't, it is. It, it, wasn't was it wasn't written to be. No, it wasn't. But it was, yeah. Yeah. I like it's to sort of imagine that it's the same universe, but yeah. it doesn't have to be, does it? Yeah. No. I'm a big fan of Cloverfield. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen this, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily thought it needed a sequel. But like we've touched it's upon, not I don't think it's not a sequel, it's is it? No, it's a film. I like how it's and I would like to see it at some point. Yeah. I like how it's completely different. In you'll that, like it, I'm pretty sure. In that the first, in Cloverfield was all about the sort of hand cam, yeah, shooting and everything, and then Cl- Cl- Cloverfield Lane was completely different to that. Which I think it's, it's a great good. example of one of my favourite film genres, which isn't really a genre. Kind of films that are basically only in one room or like a yeah. few rooms. 
kind of I like kind of small potential films almost. Mm. Well, I, I mean, I yeah, I bought into the brief that we were given, <laughs> which is your famously got to be about. I'm a big fan of the when, when podcasts are recorded all in one room. Yeah, exactly. Oh, on, spe- on a special occasion, yeah, yeah. pick up on that. Yeah. Well done. We have to hack you all up or rape you. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely excited for 11 to have filled length. 11? Yeah, 11 yeah. Length. It's it's be good. You good. think it was bad in 10? Eleven's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs> like that guy's got a base. That film would have made better if it had been an old lady just living next door in a terrace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased that sentence ended the way it did. I thought you were excited for the rape the club was going to give me. Jesus. No, I'm excited for that. Alex Wayne, your number okay, one. Okay, my number one. Uh, if you've <laughs> been a keen listener to this podcast, you won't, be, you won't be surprised to learn what my number one is. Suicide Squad, I mean, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> no, alas, surprise. <laughs> it is Nocturnal Animals. Oh. Oh. I've, been, I've, really been, I've been really wanting to watch this, but it's not on anymore. And I, Even on Dodge Central, you can only get ones with... Chinese on the bottom, it's, and I hate the Chinese. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Chinese isn't even... Alright, Donald. <laughs> discriminatory form today, Clive. China! Satire, mate. Satire. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, it, it... Right, this is an unbelievable film. Um, it's directed yeah, by Tom Ford, it. who's probably still best known as a fashion director. He's got his own fashion line. Um, starring Amy Adams, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon, and Aaron Taylor-Johnson. It's quite hard to describe the plot, but it's based on a novel called Tony and Susan uh, by Austin Rice. Um, it tells the story of a wealthy yet unsatisfied woman, played by Amy Adams, who's living out a life, who receives a manuscript of a western thriller, seemingly a revenge thriller, written by her ex-husband. It seems to be a response to her cruel um, discontinuation of their relationship. Say any more would be um, spoilerific, but anyway, it's got three kind of three narratives that are kind of interspersed. You've got one where she's living her vacuous life, reading the manuscript. You've got one which is flashbacks to their relationship, and you've got one that is um, the manuscript itself as a thriller film almost put on the screen. And each of them is as strong as the other. Um, it's filled with unbelievably nuanced performance, particularly Amy Adams. You wouldn't believe how well somebody could act reading a book, literally just looking at their eyes. Um, but I think what really mean makes this stand out to me is the fact that it inspired some very intense emotions. Certainly the thriller written by um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is supposed to inspire a certain series of kind of almost contradictory responses. Um, but there's a kind of an intense fury and anger that and hurt that I experienced from it that you perhaps wouldn't get from majority of films and I was riveted throughout. It's a great thriller, it's a great kind of character study, it's a great psychological um I don't know, ca- yeah, character study is the right word, so kind of a great study on kind of the modern kind of human psyche and I thought it was clearly the best film of the year that I've seen anyway. Uh, Michael Shannon, additionally, is superb throughout. He only has one role in the additional kind of fictional narrative, uh, but he's unbelievable. And Aretana Johnson is li- is actually unrecognisable as somebody who's played Kickass in the film Kickass, 
I didn't recognise him. I knew he was in it, and I only realised halfway through that it was him. He doesn't look that much different, but he's a different kind of nasty. Um, yeah, a lot of people have criticised the film, saying it's potentially sexist. I didn't buy that at all, because I felt it was... I don't think a film that has a sexist portrayal does not necessarily... When it's... For, okay, for instance, the narrative that is written by the main character, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, may be sexist, but the film itself is portraying a character's own sexist narrative, so it's not the film that's sexist, it's the character that is sexist, yeah. which I think has been misunderstood. Um, that's a bit mistake. like Clive. Yeah, yeah. A bit like Clive. When yeah, a bit like Clive, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Not> actually racist. <laughs> most, most famously by Piers Morgan, who um, just had a go at... Oh, God, um, yeah. It was he said oh, uh, what, what fe rabid feminists, wasn't it? He no, it was, oh, who was he had a go at? Who for playing a character? Oh no, what hasn't he misunderstood? No, but he had I a mean. go at the the women's march thing about being a bunch of rabid feminists. Or he did, yeah. Tim Neal, um, what what an absolute waste of oxygen. Yeah. Lost him as a listener. So. You know, yeah. God damn, yeah, it is a shit. Good morning, Britain. If he's a listener, fuck I'm off. available. <laughs> Stop listening. Um, anyway, to finish off Nocturnal Arms, I thought it was clearly the best thriller come sort of psychological drama of the year. Without the word room in the title. Yeah, it didn't have room in the title. Um, it was ambitious, it was beautifully shot, it was well performed, and I think it will stay with me for quite a while. As I said, it inspired genuine kind of anger and fury in me. Um, and I think it's been misunderstood by some people. Um, it's stuff always is, isn't it? Yeah. I loved if you it, do something yeah. slightly edgy, people are getting confused. I loved confused. it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, so, I really want to, I'm so good to have I a really good chance to watch this. Well. And Clive, let me I mean, know when you're going to watch it, I'll watch you. Yeah, I will. When it I will. find it without Chinese. I, I, th I think it's impossible not to have a strong reaction to this. I think you. it's possible, I think probably one <coughs> in ten people will probably hate this film, and that's mm. fine. It doesn't necessarily make you wrong, but it's going to mm. It's going to get a strong reaction from anybody that's who watches fine. it. That's fine, yeah. Like, yeah. sometimes, yeah, if you pushing certain buttons, certain people probably are going to hate it. Exactly. <laughs> the only way you're going to avoid that is by being, by being very mediocre. Exactly. So, uh, Michael Johnson, you're number one. Thank you. At number one um, of the uh, the films from 2016 that I've seen, I've got High Rise, Ooh. which, uh, Ooh. If, if Jeremy Solnier, director of Green Room, is my most, my most exciting American up-and-coming director, then Ben Wheatley would certainly be the British equivalent, if not flat out my favourite rising director since his 2013 film, The Field of England. Uh, High Rise is an adaptation of the J.G. Ballard book, uh, screen written by Amy Jump, which is fascinating from the moment that it opens with Tom Hiddleston cooking a husky dog on a spit roast <laughs> towards the top of an unidentified apartment block, uh, and then it then dives headfirst into the story of the deterioration of a shiny new tower block, the very same tower block, in the 1970s. Uh, it speaks resonantly to themes of class war, socio-economics and the psychology of architectural design, which are all themes that fall well within the Ballardian thematic sphere of sex, death and technology. Uh, the film maintains a constant off-kilter dreamlike quality, I would say, where some scenes seem baffling. And it often gives the appearance of a string of vignettes in the way that its scenes are put together, but the whole thing in the grand focus comes together like a darkly comic but nonetheless profound puzzle. It almost falls at the last hurdle, one thing I would highlight, by shoehorning its message in, in a way that I would think is out of step with the remainder of the film, which is outstanding. 
but that still for me isn't enough to let it down and would come hugely recommended by me as my favourite film of the ones I've seen from 2016. Interesting what you're saying there and that you shoehorned in. I think we talked about this when we initially On the original the, podcast, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just to mention it again, that whole Thatcherite kind of element was added in by the film. Obviously it couldn't have happened when the, when the book was written. Exactly, yeah. Um, which is why it was unnecessary, but I agree it was a superb film. Um, Looking forward to Free Fire coming out this year, which has been either really well received or really badly received by critics, which is all, for me, a really exciting sign. One one and four and five star reviews, basically, across the board. Is that right, yeah? I yeah. thought it had been generally well received. But... I think more often well received, but it's got a few one star reviews. Hmm. But for me, that makes it more exciting. Seems to bear a resemblance to Reservoir Dogs as well. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've heard it described as Tarantino esque. Apparently, it's set in one room and it's a continuous gunfight. Yeah, well, exactly. We'll, we'll see what that's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Clive is taking a dump. So he's coming hey, back. He's back. Um, my rise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fun. Um, this was. Yeah, I read the book and watched the film of this this year. I think I like the book a little bit more. I did like the film. But it was. I should say I've never read the book though. Oh, okay. Should, should mention. Book's yeah. good. Book's good. Although I did have some criticism. Although Ballard is an exciting author, so I should have. But and he sounds yeah, a little you, bit like Ballard. The only Ballard I've read is what you you gave me, Michael, uh, the Atrocity Exhibition, which is the most in, one of the most interesting reads I've ever read. Couldn't yeah. say I enjoyed it. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. Good yeah. word. Good word. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy. I don't know, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's not my top. I think it's like too stylized for me. Like. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. very stylish, but I did, I, I did enjoy it. It was maybe a bit too crazy, and probably one I'd have to watch two or three times before I really decided whether I liked it or not. So yeah, that's why it hasn't really made my top five. But anyway, good choice, James Cable, your num- numero uno. Right, um, I'm expecting that only Clive has seen my number one. Have you lot? And going back to Clive's comment of films having names in the title, which was actually wrong. This film does have name actually in the title. Oh, good job. No. Um, <laughs> in Japanese, it's called Kimi no Nawa. Uh, in English, it's Which called Your Name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ah. It's it's a Japanese anime film, as you probably expect. I'm, as you probably might know, I'm an I'm the anime expert. This way, put it around through. Just to surprise you, I have seen it. Oh, you have seen it. Yes, I have. Oh, <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I've, so it's. I've had sushi, so. <laughs> and I once saw a Japanese person. <laughs> So it's directed and written by Makoto Shinkai. Um, it's based on a book which he has written, which I've only just actually researched and found is out. Is that called the same thing or not? I think it is, yeah, which I uh, might be interested in reading. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a brilliant director. Um, he's written, he's directed uh, quite a few anime films over the years. He's, I think he's about 40 years old, and he's being dubbed as the next Miyazaki, who is the director of quite a lot of the... Um, Ghibli. Ghibli, Ghibli films. He's sort of like the, you know, big name in Japan as like the biggest anime director. And this Makoto Shinkai is dubbed as the next Miyazaki. Um, yeah, I've seen all of his, well, all of his major anime films, and they're all visually incredible and really emotionally moving. Um, Clive, you started watching them, haven't you? The other ones since you watched. Yeah, really good. We went um, to watch this together, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Like yeah. Saying, um, yeah, we ended up getting a bit shitty seats, but it was yeah. fine. I'm not gonna say I dragged you to it because you came willingly, but it was my like. Enthusiasm. No, it was your. It was your. It was my enthusiasm. Well, I wouldn't have heard of it otherwise. Yeah, to be honest. I, but 
I'd recommend yeah. this by um, Mark Mode. Turned up as one of his favourite okay. films of the year. Oh, cool. I would have never even heard of this bar that and I yeah. was. I thought it was a brilliant film. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, yeah. Same. I it's, thought it was uh, really good. Really it never really. I saw it literally two days ago. Okay. So it never really came into my thought process when making this. Yeah. But probably probably would have made the top ten for me. Mm. It was a great film. Yeah. Mm. Great, yeah. Like good. I said, all all these films are really visually incredible. The animation is just amazing. It's got its own style, and it's just it's just a joy to watch. And I'd say. The evolution of his works, like his initial works, weren't perfect. They were all very impressive and like great, but he sort of he's definitely evolved as he's been developing as a director and an animator, or you know, I don't know if he's the animator, but you know, as the studio or whatever. Um, but he's been a developing developing talent, and I don't know if it's the best of his films, but it's definitely the most accomplished and it's by far the most well received in terms of it's broken loads and loads of records in Japan and everywhere else. And it's it's the first anime film I know that's made it big in you know foreign cinema, um, foreign to Japan that is. In that it's it came to UK in cinemas as it was released, and basically it's a body switching love story, which isn't original, but it's mixed with a sort of natural disaster sort of thriller type theme, and yeah, it's just really it's essentially a love story and a story of fate, which I sort of love anyway. And yeah, like I said, it's set records both in Japan and overseas, which is really impressive considering it's relatively low budget, um, based on what they expected to do on his uh, his previous films. And yeah, it's sort of it's broken all sorts of records. Uh, it's just a joy to watch. And one of the other big draws for me with this was the soundtrack, which was it was scored by a band called the Radwimps, uh, which are a Japanese band which I've loved for quite a while. Um, they're a really good band, they're just very eclectic, they're, very, they're kind of mad in many ways, like the Japanese in, in general. But yeah, they're, they're incredibly good at their instruments and they can sort of put their hand to anything. And as soon as I found out that the Radwimps are scoring a film by Shinkai, I was just like, I have to see this, it's going to be amazing. And it didn't, it didn't let me down, it was incredible. Um, one of the things that I've mentioned before, but I... One of the things I love about anime is the fact that it's, I don't know, it's one of the things which I can, it's, it's a form of escape, escapism which I can, it just affects me most and like I can just get into it and like, um, it just takes me away and more than a lot of other things and I just love it as a storytelling medium and I don't know what make, what about it that makes, me, makes it different but yeah, I just love this film and as Clive can probably um, confirm, like when, I, when we came out of it I was just like, sort of like, Awestruck. Let's just say I had to give him a hug. <laughs> but yeah, it was it, yeah, it's a brilliant Very film, good. and <laughs> it's just a unique experience, I think, because I've never yeah. seen an anime. Isn't well, I've seen animes. <coughs> I seen I saw Ghost in the Shell, which is a classic. It's, it's funny, but, really. The closest yeah. comparison is probably something like Freaky Friday, but it's it's a lot more than like <laughs> yeah, a body swap yeah. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a great deal to add on it. It's just, I loved it and it was it's quite enjoyable. It was very very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think your point about it being more like escapist than most things I think is the same as like I think animation in general can be more escapist just because you can do yeah anything with it, literally anything, which you can't do in even with all the CGI and whatever else you can't do yeah. in normal cinema. You can I don't know what it is put about the camera anywhere. You can. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what it is about anime, but the Jap in the Japanese culture, but the, I don't know what they inject into the animation and the stories, but it's just a little bit different. 
It's like probably even, partly even, just because it's a culture that you haven't grown up in. Yeah, it yeah. feels it, it more feels... escapist because you're not. That's not like I imagine if you're from Japan, it probably doesn't feel as escapist because it's maybe yeah. what you've grown up yeah. with. But yeah, definitely, I, I agree. I get a similar feeling from it. I'm getting more into it yeah. thanks to Mr. Cable. <laughs> yeah, I'm I've, I've enjoying it. Actually, had sushi. <laughs> so he's a big fat liar for the oh, sake of trying to sound no. cultural, which I hate. And there was a GameCube in one of the scenes. Yeah, which oh, is basically oh, everyone loves It was Cube, nearly yeah. number one purely based on that. But Gen- <laughs> genuinely, GameCube might be my favourite console. It's the most there. literal console ever. Like, game is <laughs> literally. <laughs> it's a cube that plays games. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah, the yeah, Xbox, what? It's, it's not really an X. It's a box that plays X. Yeah, what? It's not really a stage. Wii U. I mean, I'm not having a Wii on it. <laughs> You've got the way you don't have a way on it. Dreamcast might be the least literal. Yeah, didn't yeah. cast any dreams. <laughs> pocket. What a I shock. don't even know what's going on there. Well, it puts in your pocket, at least yeah. that bit's literal. Yeah. Game Boy, you're not playing a boy. Is <laughs> it kind of a game? Well, let's game let's leave this. Let's 3DS, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> it is 3D. <laughs> yeah, PlayStation right. 4. I suppose that's a station, anyway. Um, Flux. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my number one, much like every other film I've mentioned, has already been mentioned uh, prior to prior to me reviewing it. But it's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yes. Uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, written by Chris Wentz and Tony Gilroy. I'll not go massively in depth, uh, but the film scraped into being my top film of 2016 as it was released in December December 10th in the UK. Um, but it was my clear number one, and um, it takes place between. Uh, episodes three and four of the Star Wars saga, um, and follows the story of the Rebel Alliance stealing the plans of the Death Star. Um, a friend of mine had watched this before I did and said it was uh, his third best Star Wars film, uh, featuring only behind Empire and New Hope. So my expectations were high going in, and it didn't disappoint. It was absolutely excellent. It fit perfectly into the spirit of the original trilogy of Star Wars films. It felt very much like this could have this could have it could have been this a new hope and Empire Strikes Back rather than a new hope Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi fit in perfectly um, even though it didn't focus on a Jedi character uh, everything about it was excellent I thought Joan's portrayal of the main character was absolutely fantastic you really rooted for her all the way through even though you knew ultimately what was going to happen. Um, based on the other films and this this was by far my best film of the year uh, even though a superhero film came out that featured my favourite superhero still got knocked into second place by this it was absolutely fantastic the only criticism even that I can think of is that it ruins the joke in the Family Guy parody of Star Wars where Stewie's suggests that the, he knows there's a weakness in the Death Star and wants to get estimates Mm. Yeah, that, that, that in point, hindsight now ruined yeah, by this film that, that is it that point felt like something where the writers were like well that's a clear plot hole we need to write something in exactly there. and film that I like that though. Yeah. I like yeah, that yeah. they sort of filled that yeah I, I really I really liked it as well I didn't think it was quite as good as Force Awakens which was yeah agreed uh, but um, I did like it a lot and I thought it was I like the end without spoiling it I really liked the ending that I thought I was yeah didn't have to do it that way for me I know apparently it they, kind of implied apparently they didn't th- well the the guys who were writing it didn't expect Disney to let them do that. So they wanted to do that, then didn't expect yeah. them to do it, then they and, uh, posed it. And it was I like, remember oh, when we reviewed it in the show, Dave disagreed with me on this, but I liked Darth Vader's ca- cameos. Yeah, I did. I too. particularly liked the second bit, which I thought was, yes, it 
did nothing for the plot. There was no, no narrative purpose cool, for it, but it was just fucking cool. Yeah, exactly. Fucking yeah, slice some people up. I enjoyed it. I think the first time we reviewed this, I said I didn't like Carrie Fisher's appearance at the end, yeah. and then I've seen this after she died, <laughs> and now I actually quite like it. Have you changed your mind on Darth Vader? Do you not think it was cool that last scene? The last scene, sure, but the it, no, that, that was the one I really liked. Yeah, I, I agreed with the last yeah, scene. It yeah. was the scene that was curved into the middle too. Okay, we can meet uh, in the middle. Of that. We yeah, can, I know what you're saying, can but I still where, he, where yeah. Director Krennic appears and doesn't yeah, advance any okay. of the plot, and then go, like the second scene didn't advance anything. It's so either, important that he gets Darth Vader out of bed. Like not, not director credit, no. that's my point. <laughs> Maybe no Clive Fisher. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I'll get anyone out of the Mic drop. Sing. Who is in the room drop. as well. So there's a theme. There is a theme. Although Maybe he was just bored though. What, I read Vader. this question and it was just like, well maybe he just wanted to do something. Fucking hell, I need Darth Vader in here. Right? Yeah. Maybe, but he saw, yeah. He saw his, his like, lair. I, he just like, oh, his lair. Cool. Yeah, he did see that. Five. I enjoyed um, Rogue One. Um, what is your number one? I'm not telling you, I'm going to talk about Rogue One. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. There's two people in there with Swiss watches, and I'm not one of them. Wait, are they? Yeah, Swiss watches. Swiss railway watches. Mundane. Two out of six. Right. Michael's got Michael's some crazy Casio or a fucking. Is that a Casio? Yeah, I've got cool. a Casio. Ice. 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 Is that Japanese? No. He's got a Namco. <laughs> Don't know where that's from, Ice. It's not Japanese. <laughs> from, from Newcastle, that. <laughs> um, my number one is a Swiss franc of a film. Oh, fucking <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Reference on Sterling. Um, Fire at Sea, which oh, I, was, I, was I don't think anyone else has even seen. No, but I still really want it. Because you all suck. Um, Fire at Sea is directed by Gianfranco Rossi. It's a... It cap I can't read my writing here. Capturing life on the island of Lampedusa, which is kind of at the front line of the European migrant crisis. It's an island off Italy, in between Tunisia and Italy, essentially, and it's where a lot of migrant boats... Um, Go, aim to go because then they're in Italian borders and that the people on the island are particularly warm and receptive. Unlike, from what I've heard, the Italian uh, sort of immigration policies, which are quite harsh, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I, if you want to hear my thoughts on this film, you should probably listen to my review about a couple of episodes ago where I started crying while doing it, yeah. um, which I won't Jesus. do now. But uh, this list is often one of the films that affect me deeply, and this one did for weeks afterwards and um, it was just such a it's a very observational portrait it's not forcing you to feel anything in particular it doesn't really have any music there's only ever some we'll, we'll keep getting this I believe it's non-diegetic where it's, it's <laughs> we're getting confused anyway it's there's no music over the top there's only ever music that's actually played in the scenes you know, like there's yeah, a woman okay. who sometimes has an Ita some Italian opera singer in the background or there's some singing uh, by some refugees at one point but it doesn't ever force any... In, there's only one interview throughout the film, which is a brilliant interview with a doctor who has to deal with um, lots of these uh, immigrants that are washed up and how he's... how affected he still is by it, despite the fact he's dealt with this for years and years on end and people seem to think he's numbed by it. He isn't, but yeah, he still carries on and, uh, and does this very important job saving people's lives. Um, and just, it was such a... It just hit me so hard and some of the scenes in it were just so... Um, just really shocking but I think they needed to be seen and I don't think it was done for shock effect I think it was just showing what was happening on this island and he contrasted half the film was about this boy just growing up normally on the island who's born on the island and half of it's about the immigrant 
crisis on the island and how the immigrants who you know rescuing people off boats of people who are crammed on uh, people who are crammed onto these boats and and that side of it and it kind of contrasts the two and yeah I just thought it was an absolutely brilliant piece of documentary filmmaking possibly my favourite documentary ever along with um, Searching for Sugar Man which is fantastic but very different um, and I think particular, particularly topical at the minute with Trump's ridiculous policy of refusing Syrian refugees I just think it's disgusting but um, I suspect he's the type of person who would watch this and still agree with his ridiculous policy because he's a twat but I'd still force him to, <laughs> still force him to watch it but yeah, uh, just a yeah. So such an amazing and important piece of cinema for someone who I am because uh, I work in a school which is you know like a, a huge percentage of refugees. But so I'm probably more prone to more more open, no, more susceptible. help me out, not susceptible. susceptible. More I see more of it. Uh, yeah, I see more of it than most people. But I think most people need, and I still thought this was really really important piece of filmmaking I think most people probably never see uh, maybe never come into contact with a refugee or really see what it's like and I think people should just watch this kind of thing and realise that it just portrays the humanity of the situation and how we're all humans which people always forget I think people just like uh, borders and they're not our country so they're not people people deny that happening but I think people think that in the back of their heads <laughs> in some strange way that these people are worth less than them just because they're from a country where the currency is for some reason worth less than them which is all in a bullshit anyway so you know we're all people and I think this film is just super important and that's why it's my number one really affected me and brilliant film by Gianfranco Rossi so yeah I, there I, we go I really 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 want to see this obviously it's not an enjoyable film it's not a popcorn flick or anything it's absolutely not no but yeah. it's it is beautiful in its own dark way. I've heard so many good things about this and um, when it be when I can find it somewhere I'm hoping it pops up on Netflix or I will, I will like send that, you it um, yeah I can't I, I, do own it. I haven't seen it, I can't comment on it but uh, I've heard it's the best documentary of the year and I had a documentary on my list obviously mm, the 13th yeah. and I've heard it's Which better seems to be than, similarly I've heard, important. I've heard it's better than that and not that they need to be better, the different subjects, but it's. I'm looking forward to it. No, no, so, so good. And just, yeah, like, like I say, something that people should watch, particularly if they maybe don't come into contact with this kind of thing on a daily basis or whatever. But mm. it's such a important subject at the minute, I think, with the European mind crisis and what Trump is doing. But, yeah. Maybe people should watch it. watch it and have a bit of a stronger opinion on the subject, because I think it's such an important thing that we accept people from the... Uh, affected by these war-torn countries because yeah people just don't realize and I don't realize what how crap it is but <laughs> but it is people don't just go on these boats because they want to get a little bit richer <laughs> people go on these boats because they're in desperate situations and you can't just turn them away it's, yeah it makes me sick that kind of crap but just hypothetically Al if you had a Swiss watch <laughs> yeah I don't have any watch but yeah what time do you think it would say <laughs> I'd say it's plug time, baby! Ow! Yeah. Feels tough. Yeah, I feel too emotional to do this right now. <laughs> at Stick Around Podcast on, I'm plugging a podcast after that. But anyway, at Stick Around Podcast on Twitter, Stick Around Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us emails. Slash Stick Around Podcast on Facebook, Instagram slash Stick Around Podcast. 
but on Patreon, slash stick around if you want to throw money at us. Yeah. Or just no, press no, pay. Isn't it slash stick around podcast? I believe it's stick around. Yeah, it's it's just stick around. Oh, have I given giving money to the wrong place? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alternative <laughs> facts. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving it to those twats yeah. over it. These guys are beating us to the stick around podcast. Yeah. Stick around podcast. Cocks. Hate those guys. Really, really hate them. But, but seriously, <laughs> we're all human. <laughs> yeah. Do we before before we sign off? Do we have a consensus number one based on um, what we've said? I don't no, know. I'd have to look at the list. No, we don't. Do I don't think we don't. No. Deadpool will probably uh, mention the most. Let's say it's Suicide Squad. Or, or, or Batman versus. Superman. I will crunch the numbers later and see. But yeah. no, I don't think we do. Although I think Revenant and Deadpool probably the ones that were mentioned on most people's yeah. list. What one consensus is that we're a big fan of rooms. True. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. I think room, room is the real <laughs> The word room. Green, green, the word room and a title. Green room came up, it only came in two lists, but it was number two, so I don't know. That's right. true, and yeah. room, yeah. which is half of green room, <laughs> came up in a list. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll let, you, we'll let you know. I'll crunch the numbers in a um, stupid way and we'll let you know. Um, it's been great, thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah, we're now off oh, to get bladder. Fully set up on our Swiss bunker, by the way. Um, oh, really? Got two for, Swiss ready watches the, ready yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah. We may be doing this in Newcastle, but the bunker is fully set up. Um, have we built a wall yet to keep anyone else out? Oh, yeah, of course we have. We've got Good. an anti refugee. Uh, <laughs> Good, fuck them. Just a uh, <laughs> uh, How dare they escape from their war torn um, countries and try to get into one? Lined with Swiss gold. safe countries, yeah, Take fuck him. Clive's massive Swiss bank account. Yeah, good. Um, Are we as rich as at least 50% of the population? Yeah. Flock loves it. <laughs> <whole. laughs> um, For podcast listeners, I'm short. <laughs> and from the Isle of Wight, which is essentially the show, yeah. Uh, yeah. Going Doing well. Right in, the, right in the middle of Zurich, next to Subway as well. There's no subways in Zurich. Well, there is now. The there is now. I don't, there probably is. I don't. Yeah. Actually, there is. There is. Um, some friend once was at it. I want to go to a. We learned I subway, as I said it really weird. I uh, and it, this has been top five podcasts. Um, films. films yeah, top one twenty sixteen. Top one podcast. Uh, I believe next to be recorded will probably be music. Um, possibly. May well be. May well be. Music and TV. Could music be anything. Music and TV, TV will be coming up. Uh, so stay so we've tuned. done top five games. Um, yeah, they're the two that to come up. And stay tuned. Listen on. We've so, been stick around. You've been yeah. brilliant. You've been simply the best. This is one slot guitar. Do you not know the colours? Okay, we'll do the outro. Do you know the outro? Have we all got the outro? Ready for the outro? Hang on, let me just get that WhatsApp. We've done a live intro, and now it's time for the live outro. You've been Sterling. You've been Swiss Frank. Enjoy's not the right word, but. <laughs> what other what are things we're in? Room! Right up my ear. We're in this room. Is everyone ready? Um, yeah, I'm ready. ready. Yeah, got it. Thank you all Rest assured that you have found the best podcast in the universe. It's Cool, I'm going to ring this restaurant and say, we're late already, but we're <laughs> I want some food! Keep that in. <laughs> <laughs>
Jag ringer på. Vad är det? Kan du ringa in i det? 